Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, how about these guys? Hello, everybody. So excited to be here. Wasn't that fun? Oh my gosh, that was so fun. I just turned into a valley girl for like two seconds, and most of you don't even know what that is. I'm old. <laughs> hey, that, thank you guys. That was so amazing. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Andy Kerr. I am the chaplain at the Erie City Mission. <laughs> thank you. Listen, that is, I remember that. I remember the movie. You remember the movie when it came out, right? Doing that thing you do, and it was so catchy and fun. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's eerie too, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this fictional story about, a, you know, a song that wasn't written in the 60s by a, a band that didn't exist uh, with its fictional roots in eerie. But it's amazing, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's awesome. So, so it's kind of like, we had a famous band, but not really. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, almost uh, in our imagination. So, here's my goal. Here is my goal for today. That thing you do, we're going to take this song, and my goal is to take a song that's written by an imaginary young man uh, who has seemingly unhealthy attachment to an imaginary young lady in the song who is uh, clearly not into him. And uh, I'm going to use that uh, and persuasively talk to you about a biblical basis for using your gifts given by God to serve your community. (laughs) Who's with me? And I mean, right, that song is great, it's catchy. I mean, when the movie came out, uh, that, that song got super popular, just soared to the top of the charts, made it all the way to number 41 on the chart. <laughs> 1996, you believe it was that long ago? That is the year I got married. Yeah, yes, Tw- <laughs> 25 and a half years ago, by the way, Got married January 1st of 1996. Uh, If you're thinking about getting married, gentlemen, first day of the year, super easy to remember. Also, you always have it off, but it's just just good. It's a good strategy. So what is that thing that you do? What do I mean by that? What I don't mean... What I mean and what I don't mean. What I don't mean is like the song. What I don't mean is what is that relationally manipulative games that you play that make you irresistible to the opposite sex? No, that is not what I mean. That is what this song means. Uh, Side note on that. I was at an event and uh, this table of very old ladies called me over. (laughs) I'm going to just tell you the story because it's connected to... Anyways... uh, I'm a hit with old ladies, apparently, and I had this shirt on, the Elevate shirt, right? I came over to the table, and I think they were flirting with me, and 
the one lady, especially the ladies over 83, um, apparently, and uh, she, she starts, what does your shirt mean? And she starts pointing at the, like, she's, <laughs> and then the rest of them are like, you can't poke them like that. And she's like, I, I mean, when you're 86, I guess you do whatever you want. <laughs> What I do mean, <laughs> the thing that you do for the rest of the talk, what I will mean, what I do mean is that thing that you do, that you're wired to do, that God has made you and gifted you to do. What is the thing that God has created you to do? God has made you in his image, whatever that means. And what I think it means is that somehow, whatever that looks like is you're awesome. And he's made you in a certain way after his likeness, he's the creator, you're created to be creative. What have you done with the gifts that he's given you? What have you cultivated? What are you good at at a high level with not much effort? What do you love? How, how does that look? That is what I mean by the thing that you do. Some of us are clearer on what that is than others. And I'm hoping that you get from today that thing that you do, that God has wired you to do and gifted you to do, maybe a thing, maybe more than one thing. I think that I, well, actually know that all of you have it. One, all of you are amazing, created in God's image, and you have that thing that you do, whatever it is. And we're going to explore that. That is what I mean. How can you use that thing that you do to serve the community? What I don't mean is also that thing that makes you you that's quirky and unlike other people and is kind of fun or weird or strange. And that's, we're not, those are good. It's just not what I'm talking about. However, what is my weird thing? I get injured. I'm good at it. I get injured a lot. I've been injured very frequently in my life, uh, I have had five different surgeries, all because I've done dumb things. I, <laughs> I've had two ACL surgeries, one in each knee. I broke my foot and ripped a ligament away from the bone in my foot because I was playing football with teenagers as a youth pastor, uh, running the ball in my bare feet from scrimmage for a touchdown, mind you, with a large teenager on my back, I stepped in a hole and my foot did this, which it's not supposed to do. <laughs> Something popped. And you ever have that, 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 that pain that makes you, like the world, it's closing in on you and you just want to vomit, right? That happened. Bunch of screws in my foot, a lot of pain and suffering. Uh, I, 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 one time I ripped my pectoralis major in half, uh, bench pressing over at Planet Fitness, where you're not allowed to make any noise. <laughs> they blow the alarm on you. Again, almost passing out. Ripped it in half, had to have it surgically put back together. A little breast augmentation. Of, uh, awkward, I guess. Uh, so they sewed it back together, installed buttons. Yeah. 
ruined my shirtless modeling career is awful. I, you know. <laughs> and then this past week, some of you have seen the post, graphic image. Everybody's response, you walked a hundred miles in the wilderness without injury and you hurt yourself in your bathroom? How does this happen? So here is the story. I'm filling up the sink in my bathroom to wash my hats so they don't get destroyed in the washer. I'm filling it up with scalding hot water. Our hot water, you can make tea out of it. It's so hot. It's very hot. It, I have it on full. I'm f- filling the sink up, and I think to myself, I should do some laundry at the same time. You, you see where this train is going, right? So I go, so I go, I'm doing the laundry, I'm throwing it, I'm filling it up, and all of a sudden I hear splashing. No! And I rush at top speed into the bathroom on the tile floor, covered now in scalding hot water. I slip, I jam my foot under my uh, vanity in my bathroom that has that real decorative piece of molding that has an edge like a serrated knife. It slices the flesh on my foot wide open and I miss the faucet, jam my hand in the scalding hot water. Ah! I fall backwards into scalding hot water I may not have been dressed yet. (laughs) Burn the other half of me. Slide into the hallway like bloody handprint on the on the door. Blood all over. It's like a murder scene. My wife comes, I'm like, honey, I've been injured so much, it just doesn't phase me anymore. And I'm just like, oh. I look at the it's open. I'm like, oh, this is gonna require a doctor. Honey, what? Sitting down in the room, watching a comfy on the, watching a show. Mm, uh, I need your hand. I need your help. <laughs> what? <laughs> so no, she was more compassionate than. She came around the corner. Oh my God! <laughs> what? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. It just looks real bad. It looks real bad. I just need a doctor. I'm good at it. It's, 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 it's a thing I do. Uh, <clears throat> stitched up. I'm fine. Here I am. What is the thing that you do that God has made you to do that when you do it, like time disappears? Almost a, a window into eternity where you, you shut down and you're like, this is, this is it. This is me. This is what I was meant to do. You get these little glimpses of those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul starts to unpack for the church in Corinth that like all of us have something. All of us are wired this way. God wants to use each one of you and you're different. You're all different and that's good. And each one of us has that thing, the gifts that make us us. And I don't believe that that list in the scriptures is exhaustive. Some with healing gifts, some with speaking in tongues and and things we don't maybe understand or don't understand and administrative gifts and helping gifts and all these things. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. It's just like these are some of the things that we're seeing and it all works together for something amazing and beautiful. 
like the body with all its different parts, working together to demonstrate in tangible ways the love of God to a world that desperately needs to see it and hear it. It's like you're, you're not all apostles. You're not all prophets or, or pastors or you don't all have this gift or that gift or this thing or that thing. All of you are different and some are more prominent. Some are up here on the stage and some of you aren't and, and some of you are beside, behind the scenes and it's all good and it's all important and it's necessary and it's beautiful. And when we put that together, it becomes something so amazing and transformative that the world needs to see. And you need to walk that out and figure out what it looks like. And at the very end of chapter 12, Paul says something. It's like, let me show you an even better way. In, in the NIV, I like how it says... It, because it sounds like it was written by Bill and Ted, and it says, I want to show you the most excellent way. <laughs> and the most excellent way is all about love. Before we get there, the thing that you do, that Paul's talking about in chapter 12, whatever that thing is that you do, how do you find it? How do you know what it is that you have, or how do you use the things, or the gifts, or the personality? Well, one... You know, churches in the past, it, 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 groups and, and religious organizations often have used gifts, personality gifts, spiritual gifts, tests. Um, they use like the Myers-Briggs and the DISC assessment and the, and the spiritual gifts test, and I don't know what they call them, like shape or, or networking from Willow Creek or whatever it is. Like all of those are fine, right? They're, they're, they're fine, and, and, and they're tools to help get at it, but they don't, they don't nail it necessarily. So don't let those things pigeonhole you. Just let it inform you. Okay? The Enneagram, I know that's a big one, right? Um, you know, whatever your numbers are. I, all that's good. That's all that's decent. Just don't let it pigeonhole you because you don't have to be whatever that test is. I, I think we grow and transform. Some of, some of who we are is hardwired, maybe 50%. And I, I believe the other... 50% changes and grows and gets rewired, and that's good. Two, how do you figure it out? Well, one, maybe take some tests, use some tools. Two, try stuff. <laughs> it's a complicated message, folks. Try things. <laughs> Get out there and do stuff, stuff that's different, all kinds of different things, stuff that's scary, stuff that makes you uncomfortable, stuff that you love. Stuff that other people love that you've never, you know what, just do things. Take some risks. Eh? Moving on. Three. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get much reaction out of that, so I'm just going to move on. Three. That was one of the stronger points. I, with <laughs> Surround yourself with good people. So that when you go try stuff, they can be like, yeah, or just move on, right? I call this the American Idol Syndrome, right? Surround yourself with good people that care about you and have your best interest in mind. You need them desperately in your life. If some of the people that got on American Idol had that, they wouldn't have got on American Idol. And every one of them that was bad, who did they say? Who did they point to that said they were good? 
their mom. Mom, stop it. Stop it, moms. They can't sing. <laughs> if they're good, okay. You might want to get a second opinion, though. The people, <laughs> the people that love you, that care about you. I stepped into ministry, and I had a paralyzing fear of speaking in front of people, which is strange. <laughs> it's strange to take that path, right? But I had some really good people. And I tortured folks for a long time, uh, a lot of people uh, for a long time, until I started to figure out how to do this. And I had good people that said, Andy, uh, that mo was mostly really bad. Um, but this one thing that you did was good. Could you do that more? And all of the rest of it, not. <laughs> and then submitting yourself to, to hearing from them and to understanding and, and taking risks and, and doing things. And I remember the day that I, I, I told a story. I was just having this conversation with my new friend, Kara, who uh, we were sharing, and I said, I remember the day that I, I started to figure it out. Something stupid happened to me, and I told the story before my talk, and I felt the anxiety just melt away. And I was like, ooh. A couple people laughed. I was like, I like that. That feels way better. Afterwards, like, everybody was like, Andy, that was so good. And what they meant was we didn't feel tortured. And I don't know if what you said made sense, but, you know, it, it didn't hurt. <laughs> you need those people in your life that care about you, that you trust. Keep them close. And the last thing, I just want you to know that you have it. There is something of gold in there, and those people are going to help you mine that out. But I want you to know that every single one of you has that stuff. Not one of you in this room doesn't. And maybe you don't feel like you have any idea what it is. And it's a process to figure it out. So you've got to test it. You've got to try stuff. You've got to get good people and, and keep pushing into it. What, is my, what, what's, what are my things, you ask? Thank you for asking. I love people and I like to get to know people. And I've spent my life doing that. To get to know people I want to be your friend. I want to know you guys and all your stories and all the stuff. And I want to hang out. And I'll, thi it, I'll think about you. And that's weird. I know it's weird. But that's what I do. And I think about who you'll need to meet of other, other people. I mean, I'm good at hooking people. People, I've done weddings. I'm like, introduce them. I've got skills. I just want you to know if you're out there, you know, it costs money. But, like, I can... <laughs> And the other thing is I, lo I love stories. And I said that last night. I, I started to choke up when I said I love stories. And I was like, this is weird. I feel so. But when I say stories, I see faces. I see people. I see what they've been through. I've seen their struggle. I can see the story and, and, and their overcoming and what God has done in their life. And, and I love to tell those stories because it gives us hope. It gives us hope of our own story and their story and how God is working in this story. He's not done with us yet, thank God. And I, for the rest of this talk, am not so concerned with what it is that, that thing that you do, but how.
you do it. So when we hit 1 Corinthians 13, many of you know this. You've been to weddings, right? It gets read. And so we're familiar with it. So I'm going to read it in the message translation to just shift it for you a little bit. And this is what Paul says. If I speak with human eloquence or angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking, the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, or what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And that, that's the rest of the, me- that's the message. It doesn't matter if I've done all these amazing things, and I have all these gifts, and I've you know, I can speak to crowds or I can, you know, I, it, I don't care. But it's like Paul's saying, like, you can give tithe every week for your entire life. You can have 11 albums of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Michael W. Smith could be your friend forever. Some of you will get that. And without love, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. You can worship. You can move your hands all over the place. You can dance in the aisles. But without love, it's nothing. At best, it's nothing. And at worst, it's super annoying. (laughs) Like a rusty gate that will not quit swinging. And if we've learned nothing from this past year, that is the best the church has been doing in America. In a lot of context, we've just been annoying. And this is the only thing it's about. The image that comes to mind in worship uh, just a little bit ago, was Jesus with a woman that was caught in adultery, right? And that story, and he's writing in the dirt, who knows what he's doing, right? And a bunch of people show up with rocks because they're going to stone him, stone this woman. Who are those people? Are they the secular world out there? No, those are the church people. Those are all the religious people that knew the law. And Jesus stands by her and defends her to the church. And that's what love looks like. It's the only thing. It's love. Everything, you can have it all and you don't have love, then the game's over. I was thinking about this. I just took this really long hike, I might have mentioned. 100 miles in, in the Allegheny Forest, 
Uh, I did it as a fundraiser for the Erie City Mission, which I work for. Um, and by the way, you know, the cards, thank you for anybody that filled out contact cards. Um, I was thinking maybe if you haven't filled it out yet, everybody could be a first-time guest. <laughs> I'm not telling you to lie. I'm just saying if you, if you never filled out a card. <laughs> Elevate Church goes bankrupt. <laughs> uh, I did this hike, and, and, and uh, by the way, the goal was $10,000, raise $10,000, and uh, thanks to many, many of you, we smashed that $13,000 plus. Uh, so awesome. Uh, I had uh, Brad Wingler. He, he's been a 100-mile like, uh, ultramarathoner. He's a pastor at Enbrough Community Church, and he was kind of coaching me on this. And uh, this is an unsupported race, so if you want water, you got to pump it out of creeks when you come across creeks. you got to carry your food with you, and, and you gotta, and you got to carry your, your stuff. And, and he said, listen, Andy, if you want to complete this, and the challenge was to do it in under 50 hours or less, 100 miles, and he said, if you want it, you, you got to do three things. you got to keep moving, keep eating, and keep drinking. There's no way to complete this on time if you don't keep moving, keep eating, and keep drinking. And by the way, you, you might get somewhere if, if you keep moving and keep drinking, and you might not finish on time, but you'll stay alive if you keep drinking, right? Like, if you don't drink water, you're going to die in a couple short days. <laughs> That's the most important thing, water. <laughs> now listen to that. There was one of the nights, the second night, about 36 hours into this. Um, it was about 2 a.m. I hadn't slept the night before. Uh, I was delirious. I was moving very slowly, and I hadn't crossed any streams in a very long time. I was completely out of water. And I was starting to panic. And I was very tired. And so I decided to take a small nap. I laid down on some moss. <laughs> And uh, I woke up freezing, delirious, kept, I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. I got to find water. And I got tired again, laid down, um, and uh, got back up, kept, kept moving. All of a sudden, I saw a posted sign that I had seen about an hour earlier. And I was like, no. And I, I was like, I, I haven't had water, and I don't know if I'm going in the right direction. I don't know if the direction I was going was right or the turn around and go, I don't know what is right. And I looked at my phone, and I had signal, and I was like, so your training goes into, you're like, I, I need to stay put. So it was now about 3 a.m., and I sat down. I got a garbage bag. I have a garbage bag in my pack. I got it out. I poked a little hole in the top, put it over my head, and put it around me like a little sleeping bag, um, which is dis disturbing. And I thought, well, if I die here, I'm already in a body bag. <laughs> well, a sad story. <laughs> head hanging out. <laughs> that didn't happen. I'm here. I'm okay, folks. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> so... Uh, at about 4.30 in the morning, the sun starts to come up, and I wake up to a chorus of birds. And it was the most beautiful sound that I've ever heard in my life. And it was like the sound of hope. 
I'm going to live. And I called, I had to say, I called my friend, Damon DeVore, he, he comes here. Um, he was coming to meet me with food and water and stuff. And I said, could you come to the road closer? Uh, I don't have water. I'm, I, I don't want to die. And I think I might. Uh, and I was really scared. And he left right then. And I get up, I, I reorient myself. I start moving in the right direction. 200 yards, folks. There was a stream. I was like, what? <laughs> no. I finished. Water is the only thing that keeps you, right? It's the most important thing. If you don't have it, you can't live. Like, this is the game. This is it. It's all about love. Acknowledge the image of God in that person that you see, wherever they are. It's probably 70% of what you believe and the people that you disagree with most on this earth, it's probably 70% of things you still agree on. Find the common ground. Meet them there. Ask questions. Listen to what they say. The second thing, what does he go on to say? I, love, I just love how clear this is. Listen to this. I mean, you got to. You're here, right? <laughs> love never gives up. You want to know what? Okay, if it's not clear, if you're supposed to love, what is that? Here we go. Love never gives up. Love cares more about others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of sins, the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. You want to know what love is? This is what it is. This is what it does not do. This is what it does. That's it. That's it. It's very clear. I don't have to unpack that all that much. The one thing that I do want to say about this, that it stands out to me, is the part where he says, love cares more about others than self. If we go back to what Jesus said, what did he tell us? All the law and the prophets, all the, all the whole Old Testament, everything that was said back there, all 613 laws and all the prophets and everything that they said, Jesus says boils down to this. What is it? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Where are you in that lineup? Where are you in that? God neighbors you. Are you first? No. We don't even understand love without the one who created it, right? If you want life to be in perspective, you've got to know the one who made it. Where are you? Are you last? My whole life I thought I was last. And all of us, many of us, if the last year has been instructive, you have left yourself out completely of the equation. We're second. Loving ourselves is a prerequisite for loving other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have to know what it means to accept the love of God and understand that you're loved, that you're made in his image. Again, whatever that means, it means that you're amazing, that you've been created with stuff that doesn't even, that we can barely comprehend. You're awesome. I want you to know that. We have to understand that God loves us and that only when we start embracing that can we then love others more than ourselves because we're comfortable with that. We know it now. We embrace it. We let it flow through us and it spills over. It's the oxygen mass principle, right? You can't help somebody if you can't breathe. Do not leave yourself out of that equation. And if you're here today, and I know there's got to be people that have been leaving themselves out of that equation their whole life because you don't feel like you're worthy. And that is the opposite of what is true about you, that God has made you, that you are. And to know that you're loved at the deepest, most intimate way, and you need to start embracing that and, and understand what that means in order to move forward to be able to do that thing that you do. I want to end with this. How's he finish this up? Love this chapter. How's he finish it? Love never dies. He says, inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. Let me say it again. We only know a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. Amen to that. When I was an infant, at my, my mother's breast, I gurgled and I, I cooed. Like an infant, when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through the mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But right now, until completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards this consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. If you want to survive, if you want to succeed in this journey as the church, keep moving, keep eating, keep drinking. You have, it's what you have to do. And he, he gives us those three. You trust in God, hope unswervingly, and love. And the best of these, the most important of these, is love. Listen, we know in part, if there's one thing that, that I hope people understand, you don't know everything, so don't act like it. I, I found this, I thought this was super instructive to me. Why be gentle and love people like we should? 
Because this is their life, and this is what we know about it. So treat the world with kindness. Stand by them, even if you have to defend them to the rest of the religious people. (laughs) Love them. Love the world that may not even think it's worthy of love. We've got to take risks in order to do that. It's going to be scary. People are going to, you're going to step out there and they're going to try to cut you off at the knees. And I guarantee you, it won't be, it won't be the rest of the world. It's often the religious people. So what can we do? This is what I think is the conclusion. Listen to their stories. Whoever it is, wherever you're meeting these people, wherever the people in your family, people at work, people you're standing in line with at Starbucks or better yet, Tim Hortons, wherever it is that you find yourself standing by people you don't know or people you do know sort of in traffic is the most difficult. Wherever you find those individuals to love them, to step out, to protect them, to stand by them, to to demonstrate the unswerving, unending, uncomprehensible love of God that he showed you in Christ Jesus that we have, that we are meant to show to the world. That is the game. That is our job. That is our play. Listen to their story. Ask the questions so you get to it. And then whatever that thing is that you do, figure out where the needs are and how to use it to lend a hand. And then look for a way to share your story. One of the biggest mistakes that I've made is pretending like I got my crap together. And people look at, well, like, I can't do that. And man, if they knew, like now, I mean, it's just fairly obvious to everybody, but I, it's, I'm kind of a mess, man. There's a, there's a little bit, a, a lot, sometimes a lot, a chaos that comes with me wherever I go. Um, I'm here to unbalance the force, I think is, you know, what part of my job is. But if we're vulnerable and we tell our story, because I know a lot of you have a lot of pain, you have a lot of joy, a lot of amazing things, but also a lot of pain. And when you share that and you're vulnerable, people get it. They're like, oh, man, if Andy, if Andy's in, there's hope, right? <laughs> there's hope for the rest of us. Tell your story. Thanks. That's great. Lord, Lord, Jesus, we're so grateful, and God, you know um, how much we struggle with this and how desperately we need your help in order to love as, as we should, uh, to take your example, to watch what you did, um, that you went before us to show us how it's done and, and to imitate you in all of those ways. God, as a church, um, so grateful for this church and in the ways that they're just taking tangible steps to demonstrate that love. Um, God, help us to continue to do that more and more so that people will see uh, that and embrace it in Jesus' name.
Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.